Welcome to the Lee Company Thrive Podcast. I am your chaplain at Lee Company, Kyle Froman, and I'm so thankful that you chose to join us for Thrive again this week. Before we jump into this week's Thrive episode, I wanted to just give you a heads up that there will not be a new Thrive episode next Monday. I'll be on a bit of an escape with the family, and I thought it would be a good week for us to take a break from Thrive as well. We'll be back the following week and back on our regular Monday postings. One of my favorite cities in America is New York City. I'm not really sure why, as I have zero connection to it, but it's always been a city that has fascinated me. I've only been able to visit the city three times, and all three visits have happened within the past four years or so. My first visit was a drive-by visit with the family. We were on our way from Washington, D.C., headed towards New Hampshire to officiate the wedding of a racer, and as we approached late in the afternoon on our drive by the city, we began seeing signs for Lady Liberty. Realizing we might not be this close to Statue of Liberty again, we made the decision to make a really quick pit stop on the Jersey side of the line to see Lady Liberty at a distance. Being that we were stopped already, we again began to rationalize that opportunities like this do not happen to us every day, and for a homeschool family, it was a good opportunity indeed. So we went ahead and bought tickets to head out to Liberty Island for an educational voyage as a family. It's all about how you rationalize the experience is what I've learned. And even though it was late in the afternoon, we figured a short stop, we'd head out to Liberty Island, check out the Statue of Liberty, and be back on the road before we knew it. Once we were finally out on Liberty Island, we saw that we had a beautiful view of the Manhattan skyline, my favorite city. The rationalizations again crept into our conversations, and despite the fact that we had five more hours on our drive, we realized we might not be this close to NYC again. Once we found ourselves back on the Jersey banks, we saw that we were parked in a lot next to the light rail. With the sun setting to the west and zero experience on rail transportation, nor in the Big Apple, we decided it would be a great idea to hop on the rail and see if we could make our way into the city with two young kids, one of them still at that time in a stroller. We had no clue what we were doing. We didn't even know if the train that was in front of us would take us towards the city or if we would wind up down in Virginia again. Somehow, we found our way to the Hoboken Terminal and managed to make it to the underground and find our way just a few blocks shy of Times Square to see my favorite city that I'd never been to for the very first time. Keep in mind, this was a miracle in and of itself because we had no idea where we were going. We made the short walk up to Times Square and made the obligatory visit to the Disney store, took in the ambience, hid from the street characters, grabbed a quick bite, and made our way back to the underground. Getting back to where we started in Jersey was equally as challenging, with a few interesting characters crossing our paths along the way. 
But we finally made our way back to the car late in the evening to finish our five-hour drive to New Hampshire. That was the extent of my first visit to New York City. It wasn't six months later that I was able to find myself in the city for a second time, this time doing mission work, serving some of those in the city that have significant need and who have found themselves living on the streets. In all honesty, it was one of the most impactful, exciting mission trips I've ever been a part of. So much so, I was able to participate in a second trip to the city as well. The first trip was myself and some of my peers with Motor Racing Outreach. We had traveled to bond as a team through serving others. And then we planned a second trip to the city with the NASCAR community taking some folks that we served into the city to serve others as well. I remember one day on the first trip when we were working with a relief organization in Tompkins Square Park in New York City's East Village. In the park, I met a man who most of us would have walked right on by any other ordinary day. Identified by his mismatched assortment of clothing, his low-cost headphones hanging around his neck, and the dirty ball cap that sat crooked on his head. The men and women who were dressed in fancy work attire would breeze by on the sidewalks around the park, paying him no attention. The hipsters and the joggers, the trendsetters and the families, they were all moving within feet of him, yet seemingly a world's distance existed between them. His home was a park bench. His possessions, they were whatever he was able to have on his person at any given time. He didn't have a job. He didn't have any security, per se. Seemingly, there was no future. In essence, he was condemned by the very system that he was a part of. Yet, Jose had one of the most magnificent, contagious smiles I've ever seen. I remember standing there in Tompkins Square Park and looking across the sea of people and his face glowing. You see, while Jose lived in our culture, our system, he wasn't bound by it. He wasn't bound by the system that said he had to belong and said that his worth was tied to his job. You see, he wasn't bound by the system that said to belong and to have worth was to have a job, that to belong and have worth was to have a nice home or have a car, that to belong and have worth was to have nice things, that to belong and to have worth was simply to not sleep on a park bench. He wasn't accepting that to fall outside of the system was to be an outcast. Jose had experienced something more. You see, Jose deeply loved Jesus. Jose had come to the understanding that what he had or didn't have, what he had done or didn't do, could no longer define who Jose was. Jose was okay. Jose had found freedom from the system around him. Jose was a condemned man who was living totally free. And there's something about meeting someone who is living free of their circumstances. 
I think that it's because we can all relate with what it is to struggle. We all have or have not. We all know that pain of struggle. We know what it does to us and the stress and the anxiety and the weight that it bears down on our shoulders. The Christian faith itself is one that is full of struggle. Our faith and trust in God struggles against the circumstances around us. Our mind struggles against hopelessness, brokenness, and separation. Our flesh, it struggles against the enticement of sin. And we continually find ourselves falling short in our response to God and to His love. We find ourselves stepping outside of that system of life that He created for us. We make decisions we regret. We say those things that we wish we didn't say. We put ourselves in front of others. We pursue pleasure and security in all the wrong places. When we step outside of that system, we too feel like outcasts in our faith. Amidst those moments that we feel like we are outcast from God's system, those moments that we feel condemned from our decisions and from the sin we find ourselves in, I find such truth and such beauty in the writings of Paul in the book of Romans. Paul wrote, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, here's something about the phrase, there is no condemnation. That phrase only means something if we have done something wrong. To say there is no condemnation is not to say that we haven't fallen short and stepped outside of the system. It's to say that even when we have fallen short and stepped outside of the system, in Christ, there is no condemnation. We all fall. We all make bad decisions. We all have lapses in judgment. We are all swayed by our flesh. We all fall. But the beauty of what Paul is writing is this. We are free from the law of sin and death which means even though we will fall and we will have these lapses, the law no longer has the power to condemn us. 
Jose did not allow the realities of life around him to define his worth, his value, and his existence. He found it in another place. And Paul is reminding us that in Christ, we don't have to bear condemnation either. There is some danger mingled within this. And the danger is viewing Paul's writings as a get-out-of-jail-free card. An ability to do and say as we want with the realization that there is no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ. The reality is, though, is that if we have that mindset about how no condemnation applies to us, we really need to reevaluate who we are in Christ. If we truly have received the gift and abide in Christ, Jose wakes up each day in Tompkins Square Park with a choice, and he recognizes his one and only need is Jesus. May we face our life, our shortcomings, our challenges, even our victories through that same lens. Our one and only need is Jesus. May we find ourselves free from condemnation in him. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it's a beautiful gift we receive in a life of response to him. My prayer for you this week is that you would be able to step outside of that system that's weighing on you, the system of guilt, the system of regret, the system of pain and brokenness and hopelessness and hurt. And that you would see the one thing that breaks you out of that system is Jesus. He doesn't change the reality that we live in, but he changes the lens for which we see the reality that we're a part of. And he gives us a hope of something more. May you look through that lens and experience that hope this week. Grace and peace. Peace.